Welcome to the second season of SeaTech Voices, The Risk Perspective, the podcast that brings you expert insights to today's hot topics in healthcare cybersecurity, compliance, and privacy. Each episode of The Risk Perspective Season 2 features an inside listen into the conversations between SeaTech thought leaders, subject matter experts, and industry guest speakers who share their trusted risk expertise and perspectives. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. New episodes are released weekly, and a transcript of each episode can be found at Synergistic.com. And now for the show. Hello, welcome back to SeaTech Voices, The Risk Perspective. I'm Lauren Frickle, your host. This week, we're talking about user access monitoring, a subject that can be somewhat considered overwhelming to both privacy and security offices. So to talk about what an effective user access monitoring program is, I'm excited to introduce our privacy experts, Andrew Mahler and Naomi Cortucci. Both Andrew and Naomi are on Synergistic's privacy team. Andrew is the senior manager of privacy services here at SeaTech. He served in chief privacy officer and research compliance officer roles and is a former investigator for the Office of Civil Rights, OCR. Naomi is a senior analyst on CTEC's PPMS team. She has significant experience working in healthcare analytics in both clinical and administrative roles for healthcare entities. Naomi, Andrew, thanks for joining me. Let's dive into what you do, how you do it, and why patient monitoring doesn't have to be so overwhelming. Thanks, Lauren. Really excited to be talking with Naomi today, one of our senior analysts on our PPMS team about user access monitoring, uh, which Lauren, as you mentioned, can be overwhelming. It can be time consuming. And hopefully in our discussion today, Naomi and I can reveal some things that maybe either make it a bit easier or may give your privacy or security offices some things to think about or consider. So before we dive into some of the rules of the road and and sort of processes, Naomi, could you talk a bit about what user access monitoring means to you? Absolutely, and thank you. User access monitoring, or as we refer to it, patient privacy monitoring services, what we do is we look at all user activity within the medical records, inside the organization and will determine if the activity is appropriate. We do this by following established policies, procedures, and processes to proactively detect suspicious access of any user. This is done ongoing, also a scheduled review of all activity. We escalate questionable findings and direct them to our clients. We also provide the data or the story if it were, to ask the questions and start the investigations as needed. So really what we're talking about here, Naomi, if, I, if I'm understanding you correctly, is we're, we're talking about looking at the interactions between a user of a, you know, a hospital or a health system, so somebody working within a medical record, and the patient. So we're trying to figure out, okay, why was this user in this record? Why were they looking at information about this patient? Is that, exactly. is that a kind of a good summary? Perfect. And, you know, something that I, I want to make sure that we address, and, and Naomi, maybe this is just the lawyer in me, but I do want to talk about some of the rules and, and things to consider from a regulatory perspective when we talk about user access monitoring. And here's really the issue. HIPAA, which is what we'll be talking about today, it doesn't actually specify how much monitoring or auditing is really enough to meet the requirements of the rules. But what we do know is that the regulatory language tells us that doing nothing is not going to meet the requirements. So let's talk a bit about the security rule. Um, under the HIPAA security rule, we know covered entities and business associates, they have to have policies and procedures in place 
to detect violations. They have to regularly review records of activity, like audit logs and access reports, and they have to implement hardware and other types of processes and software to record and examine the activity in systems that contain electronic health information. And if that's not enough, uh, the privacy rule then tells us that these same entities have to reasonably safeguard the protected health information, or PHI, and they have to uh, use reasonable efforts to limit access to that protected health information by workforce, by identifying roles and people that have to have access to do their jobs. And Andrew, I want to ask the question, doesn't OCR also address user access monitoring? Yeah, the Office for Civil Rights has. The OCR, the Office for Civil Rights, they've issued some guidance about user access monitoring. And, you know, you can go out on the web and, and find this guidance on OCR's website. And they've also imposed some significant penalties for non-compliance. You know, there's really three main points as I've sort of looked through the guidance and, and looked through some of the resolution agreements that, that relate to this issue. And really the three big points here that were my takeaways are that one, any monitoring and auditing plan it really needs to be tied to the organization's risk analysis. Two, those organizations have to regularly review the information system activities so that they're aware of any activity that could suggest something like a security uh, incident or a breach. And finally, organizations have to implement certain types of controls that are reasonable and appropriate to record and exa examine activity in the systems that contain EPHI, and they need to regularly review that activity. And I know this can be, you know, for those of you listening and, and for many of our clients, you know, all of this can be pretty intimidating. And you think about the rules, some of the, the issues that need clarity, and, and then the guidance and enforcement activities from OCR. So, Naomi, I'd like to hear a bit from you about what some of the privacy offices that you interact with on a regular basis tell you about things that keep them up at night or, or make them wary of this process. Of course. And, you know, you touched on one of them, which is regularly review the activity. So the number one question they usually ask is, do I need an audit tool? I don't currently have one. Our answer to this is pretty simple. When you're evaluating access from raw data logs, it can be daunting if this is done manually from multiple feeds, your HR feeds, EHR systems, such as uh, Epic feeds and, and so forth. So having a tool can pull all, that, all of those feeds into one source, and we're able to look at the accesses more comprehensively and see that full, full story, so to speak. The next question they often ask will be something like, do I have the right level of staffing? You know, once an effective monitoring system is in place, what does that mean for us? Well, for us, we take care of the heavy lifting by bringing only the questionable findings to the privacy team. I think the, the last but really important one is how do I create that monitoring plan? And really we begin as targeting specific areas initially and help bring educational opportunities to their workforce. So again, bringing those questionable findings and setting out a structure for them. Yeah, and I, I think something else that we hear pretty frequently, um, I'm interested in your thoughts about this too, Naomi, is, is that question of, you know, how do I effectively use the data from our monitoring program to inform senior leadership? And I, I don't know if you have any thoughts about, about that, but that is something I, I think we tend to hear pretty often as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, through the monitoring program, we capture all of that information, the number of users accessed, patient records viewed, even something as simple as how many new MRNs were created within your system. So we will package that up and put that information together, both from a programmatic standpoint, we'll give them reporting monthly, quarterly, or annually, depending on their needs, provide that information in a general education, so to speak, for all audiences. 
it really speaks to the findings. Of those questionable investigations, were sanctions applied? Um, if so, how many, what type of sanctions were policies breached at any point? So we package it all up to show exactly what the organization is doing proactively to look at that user monitoring. Yeah, I think it, it gets to an important piece of a compliance program, which is how am I as a compliance officer, a privacy officer, a security officer, making leadership or management or you know committees, boards aware of the issues that we're seeing on a regular basis? Uh, some of those may be hot topic issues, hot button issues, and what are we doing to help remediate any potential violations or gaps that can be done through education or, or training, sanctions or discipline? Uh, Naomi, you mentioned earlier proactive uh, reporting. I'm, I'm interested to hear a bit from you because, you know, we hear a good bit about reactive reporting. Could you talk a little bit about the differences between proactive reporting and, and reactive reporting? Of course. Uh, proactive is a scheduled reporting, basically. We will look at a specific questionable activity grouping, such as, is the user looking at VIP patients? or perhaps even something as simple as their own record. Uh, a lot of times we'll expand out into, are they looking at family members, someone within the same household, or you know, someone who lives in the same general area of the user? So that's a proactive approach where we go in and look to see on a regular basis what the users are doing and is that activity again appropriate, which is always the overarching question. From a reactive side, reactive can come both external or internal. We can get a call, you know, the privacy team might get a call from inside the enterprise to say, hey, I was out last week and I came back and my coworker knew about my diagnosis from when I was seen in another department. So we go in and dive into that activity to see, was there any user from that same department? Was it a coworker snooping within that record? Or an external call, meaning Perhaps someone calls in and says, you know, I was at church, I was seen at the hospital last week, and they knew at church that I was seen, I hadn't told anyone. So again, we'll go through the patient record at that point and look to see if there was any questionable activity or accesses by a user that wasn't part of the care team. And my guess is for those organizations that are not using some type of a monitoring tool, they're probably doing a lot more of that reactive work. So they're, you know, they become aware of an incident or an issue, like you said, somebody, at, you know, um, you know, is out doing errands out of church, something like that. And they become aware of something that doesn't feel right to them and they escalate it. And then the privacy office takes that retrospective reactive look at, at the record and then apply sanctions or education something after the fact. And something that's really that's so helpful, I think, about using an audit tool, though many organizations may not choose to use one, is that you can do some of that proactive work much easier and much more efficiently. And thinking back on what we know some of the rules uh, require and, and some of the guidance that OCR has, has put out, we know that there has to be some type of regular review of system activity. So if you're not doing that sort of proactive report. I think something that our customers or clients will often ask us is how can we how can we really do that type of regular review and what does that process look like? And I think you've done a great job summarizing, you know, some of the differences between proactive and reactive reporting. So thanks so much for that. Of course. And we ask, you know, that's the thing with the proactive, right? Is a reactive 
is basically answering a question that's asked. We're looking for the questions proactively. Yeah, you gave some examples of some reporting. So just some things to consider as, as we talk through this. You know, you mentioned, you know, neighbors snooping. So these would be workforce members, staff uh, who may be neighbors potentially of a patient looking into patient records, coworkers or colleagues looking into the records. You know, I know that something that, you know, something else that comes up and you may have mentioned this too, Naomi, is that sort of VIP type. Could you talk a bit about maybe that type of report or maybe some other reports that you hear pretty often from clients? Absolutely. Well, the VIP report, uh, as far as that will monitor patients that are high profile. This can be anyone like that's basically in the news or high interest. And we want to be sure, you know, the patient is the customer to those enterprises. So we want to make sure as a customer, you want to go into a, a place and know that your information is secure and private. So that again is one of those proactive reports. We'll go in and look and know, okay, you have a high pro profile patient. Let's look at all access within that record and be sure that the users who are accessing it are part of the care team. And then again, if they're not, we ask the questions. We go through the checklist. Are they, you know, were they seen in that department? Was this possibly a nurse that was on, you know, a float station? There, there are a lot of questions that we go through and ask, and we look at all information, both from the user's access and the patient. So we're not looking at just one scenario, we're looking at the whole story comprehensively. And when you look at the story, you know, something that I think is pretty fascinating when you talk about this as a kind of a narrative or a story is that whether you're using a tool or, or not, privacy office or a compliance office or a security office can go in and they can do some digging. And this is something that you and your team do on, on a daily basis to see if that user is routinely in a certain record or if they're routinely interacting with patients in, in a way where it might make sense for them to be looking at a record, even though it gets escalated as potentially suspicious. And something that thinking again about what keeps some privacy offices up at night is sometimes they'll reach out and say, we just have so many cases that we're not really sure what to do with. And we think that these are legitimate cases that we need to investigate, but it honestly takes us a lot of time to do that sort of analysis of each user-patient combination to really make sure that these you know, suspicious cases or these potential bad users are really worth investigating when really, in fact, there could be a legitimate reason. They could be interacting for treatment payment or some other legitimate purpose. So, so we, you know, you mentioned escalating cases. If you could just briefly, I, I know that probably some offices are curious about how cases get escalated and, and then what steps organizations usually take once they receive a case escalation, whether it's from you know, somebody on our team or maybe somebody even on their team internally. Oh, yes. So when we do our investigations, as you said, and we look at that story, users activity, are we able to, we ask questions such as, are we able to determine if they're part of the care team? Perhaps something as simple as there might be a finding where uh, the user is an OBGYN and the patient was male. And so we'll ask that question. So by escalating, once we find something that has questionable activity and we've asked all questions possible of both the user's activity and the others that were present within the patient record, we roll this up basically into a case, as we call it. And all of those findings, all of those questions, all of those details are put into the case to show the story, to say, this is why we're questioning it. And with that, if in an audit tool, so to speak, we will escalate through there where privacy office will be notified that we did in fact find, as an example, within the VIP patient report, we found 
a user with questionable activity and here's why. So we bullet out all of the findings down to timestamps. On this day at this time, the user accessed this and we're questioning why. So we'll roll that up into a report in that form and be able to escalate that the team for the review. And with it, they're often able to see exactly those routine names or access points for the user's actions. What were they doing in the record? And then they can take that information and go ask the questions. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Naomi. And something that we hear very frequently from, you know, from our clients, and I think about myself in prior roles when I served as a privacy officer, you know, it's so important to be able to identify those sorts of instances and cases that are legitimate potential violations, either of the rule or of a certain policy or practice, um, because then I know as the privacy officer or somebody working in a, a privacy or security office, I need to take the next step to pick up a phone, either to a, a manager to ask some questions or, or potentially write to that user and, and ask them some questions to better understand why they were in the record and, and what they were doing. As we sort of close out this discussion, and Naomi, thanks so much for talking to me. I've, it's always a pleasure talking with you and, and getting to, to know and understand your interest and, and passion for this type of work. Something, I want to circle back to something you said earlier when we talked about metrics and porting. Something that was always difficult for me, and, and as, you, as we mentioned, it, it can be difficult for healthcare organizations and our clients, is the question of how, how do we report this information back up? And I want to give a couple examples of how we handle it and uh, how I've handled it in the past and in hopes that it's you know, helpful to some of our listeners too. For the work that we do within Synergistech, we can design reports that are based around monthly metrics, quarterly metrics, as well as annual metrics. And as part of that work, Naomi, like you mentioned, we always have in that reporting what types of cases we monitored and escalated, how many violations we identified, whether there were sanctions or disciplinary action applied, so that, you know, any organization can see some trending over time so they can identify whether or not you know coworker snooping is a higher risk to that particular organization than maybe a potential other type of bad use or access, or they, they may be able to determine that there's more access of VIPs in their organization. And when they realize that and understand it, then there are opportunities for education and training to hopefully rein some of that in so that your workforce and your staff have a better understanding of what rules and policies apply to them and what they need to do if they have questions or thoughts about accessing somebody's record. So thanks so much, Naomi. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts, but I've really enjoyed talking. No, absolutely. Thank you so much. But the same. I really enjoyed this opportunity to touch on what we do. Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you, Andrew and Naomi, for going over the stresses organizations have around user access monitoring. I can see how it becomes an overwhelming topic. However, it sounds like privacy experts like you two are able to do a lot of the heavy lifting. So just a reminder for more information on user access monitoring or our PPMS services, please visit our website, www.synergistic.com. Thanks again, Naomi and Andrew, and thank you to our listeners for listening.